is 9am till midday. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. Let me invite my guest, Mielani Holeni, who is the group, chief group advisor at Ndiso Consulting Group onto the show. Mielani, good morning to you. Thank you for your time this morning. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to all the listeners. Important for us to have this conversation, especially because you know that on this particular show, we have a feature called Municipal Watch that specifically looks at issues in different municipalities. And our conversation with you is going to be taking a broader look on about the state of municipalities in our country. Mm-hmm. And... Unfortunately, you know, one just doesn't get a sense that there is stability, given the fact that we're now two years post the local government election. So I think there is a reasonable expectation that by now things would have settled by now. Um, Those that have come in with the new administrations would have started, the works of their hands would have started to produce a different kind of fruit. Well, I think... uh it's it's a reasonable statement mm. to at least uh, expect that you know those who are coming in come in with uh, new ideas come in with new energy uh, and they come in with uh, a way of wanting to do things differently but we must also acknowledge the fact that you know those who come in are not always the people who have always been uh, in that in those seats uh, you have new people who are contesting to come in and some are coming in for the first time to become councillors uh, and 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 various other people who are entering into the local government sector. So so that is crucial to also consider. So if even if you divide it in thirds, you know, to say a third of the people are the ones who are there, a third of the people who have, are the ones who have some kind of experience with local government, equally maybe there's another third of people who are coming in fresh uh, into the space. So mm-hmm. there's also a learning curve for those people that are coming in. Uh, the ones who are trying to settle in are obviously looking at, you know, how the existing thing a cohort of people who have been in the space have been working things out and so you have a mixture in terms of you know how you start to align the way that uh, the various people would settle into the mm. uh, the positions but it is also true that uh, when you go after an election you, you know there's that euphoria of say having won you know your seat you have been uh, confirmed or you have uh, been employed or whatever the case may be And then you look at, you know, where is the strategy? Where is the bigger picture? And I go back to the whole matter of capability being uh, leadership, strategy, as well as service delivery. So so where is the big uh, capability that each one of those people must have? Where is the leadership uh, pointing to? And what is the strategy to move forward for that uh, five years, given the fact that there was a previous administration that would have been there, that would have perhaps pursued a particular strategy with a different leadership and different service delivery imperatives? What is making it so hard to govern and run municipalities effectively? As as somebody who understands the complexities of local government, because I do think that we need to acknowledge that running local government is a complex um, process. It's not as easy as, you know, you've been voted in, so here you go, take it up and run. 
if you don't understand how local government actually works, mm. then it's going to be difficult mm. to, to really run it. Mm. I, I must say, I, I will answer it in two parts. I admire a lot of councillors who have gone into local government and have continued to study or have started you know, their studies with regards to understanding the true a way of how to carry themselves as councillors when they are sitting in council or participating in committees. Uh, those who become uh, members of the mayoral committee can discharge uh, their responsibilities. So, so I, I, I have a lot of respect you know, for those uh, councillors that are taking their time to understand what this local government is all about, or at least to understand what is the management uh, imperative that they should be discharging. So, so I, 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 that's the first part to it. And the second part to it is that, you know, then you look at the officials as well. Those officials that, you know, come in with uh, the requisite qualifications, they have not come in because of any other uh, means, but they are coming to apply their skills within a local government. So local government, more than I would argue provincial as well as the national. Uh, the complexity that you were talking about is a lot more. There are multiple moving parts that, you know, someone at least must come back with some kind of a theoretical background that gives them a sense of, okay, I see chaos, but in this chaos, how do I start to organize some of, you know, the problems that are there into a couple of uh, themes? How do I tackle the themes? How do I align each one of those uh, areas to create some kind of a roadmap uh, to start, you know, solving the issues? Otherwise, Otherwise, you have a situation where if you are sitting as supposed to being a counselor who gives uh, inputs or who drives uh, policies or in committees and so on, and you have a situation where you are being fed ideas and you're not sure which way to characterize these ideas. Are these ideas or proposals supposed to take the municipality forward? Are they self-serving? Are they continuing you know, a particular trajectory? Are they aligned uh, to the strategy? And so on and so forth. You can find yourself in a position where you have a deficit of thinking and you are almost uh, in a hubris type of situation as well as you know the officials for instance who are perhaps not highly qualified in the areas that you know they, they, they are supposed to be discharging uh, the responsibilities they may fall short so I'm highlighting I think in a roundabout way in the two uh, 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 ways that I'm answering the question the fact that local government is starved of highly skilled highly educated, highly experienced uh, people who are uh, uh, applying uh, their skills within that space. And that covers both ends. It's not just to say, let's look at the CVs of the CFOs or the uh, managers in technical or LED and so on. But let's also balance it with the fact that, you know, each one who is in the space is going to run a business within government. And that business within government must show a visible return from a service delivery mm. point of view, as well as the surpluses that are there, the programs that are there, the fundraising, the CAPEX, and so on. It's It's been interesting for me to note that more and more when the idea of coalition governments is, is spoken about, um, Johannesburg and what has happened in Johannesburg um, in the last year to 18 months has really rattled people that you can have, how many mayors has Johannesburg had? Five, a close on five mm. mayors in, in under two years. 
um, and literally have it seem like a revolving door mm. and residents feeling like they've got no direct control mm. over some of those decisions that are made mm. and the individuals then that mm. come to power are also not individuals that are deemed to be the most capable mm. to be in those positions. So when we look at it from from that perspective, I mean, are there peculiar challenges that you believe local government is facing due to what is also a perception of very fragmented politics and unstable coalitions where there are coalition governments? So our, our belief in terms of the work that we do and what we are observing, you know, from the research, the benchmarks, you know, that we do, uh, we are seeing that you know the barriers of entry into local government are continuously being lowered. So anyone who wants to enter the space, uh, local government is you know seen as the easiest way uh, to enter uh, government. And I put it generally in terms of you know the empirical uh, uh, evidence that you know we are seeing. Uh, and so if local government continues on that trajectory. That is when we start, you know, seeing the various difficulties that, you know, various councils and municipalities and so on uh, would be facing. And it's a crucial point because, you know, the barriers of entry into local government, our belief is that they should even be higher. Uh, looking at uh, someone who sits at province with due respect, someone who sits at national with due respect, is they are not on the ground. And I think I want to go back to the fact that we must always understand that uh, the, three, the three spheres of government at any given point in time, all of the spheres must be functional for government to be said to be functioning. If any of the spheres of government, one or two or all of them uh, are dysfunctional, government is not functioning. But the importance of the barriers of entry into local government is one that needs to be uh, at least upheld. Uh, with regards, you know, to the what eventually comes out. I think the the symptoms of whether it's, you know, you can classify it as, you know, political, you can classify it in many different ways. It still goes back, you know, to the issues of what are the, the people who are coming in, what are their capabilities uh, from a leadership skills point of view? Are they people who can look at issues, you know, strategically? Are they people who can drive service delivery in a particular way? Are they people who can understand the various models that they can at least invoke uh, such that, you know, as a leader coming into a municipality which is dysfunctional, how do you then position and reposition uh, the municipality to, to, to steer it away from the dysfunctionality and infuse now a new strategy that is seen as one that drives the municipality, not just uh, based on a single uh, mm. uh, manifesto because manifestos i think you know are published uh, in a particular way but clean water is clean water you know uh, 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 electricity becomes you know electricity or is electricity it does not you know really change what changes is the mechanics of how do you achieve mm. through a prioritization of the list so if you you know you can base it on johannesburg and i think johannesburg provides you know a key a study of you know where things you know uh, you know have gone very well and can deteriorate you know very quickly in terms of you know the changes uh, the other cities and the other municipalities are also not immune 
because it's a trend, you know, that at least has rattled, you know, the way local government uh, carries in, uh, itself, you know, from there on. So, so then the issue is if you have changes and such changes at a rapid pace, how do you cement, you know, the whole issue of leadership? Uh, how do you cement which strategy? or at least do you follow? And and by strategy, maybe I'm being loose because someone will say there's an IDP that is there for five years and so on. But there's also equally a way of saying, how do we get to achieve the imperatives that are sitting in the IDP on an annual basis? Because that strategy is the one that determines how the budget uh, will look like, is one that will determine uh, how uh, uh, the attraction of skills you know, into the, the local space and so on. So I think that is if, if you... If I put it in yeah, those terms, yeah. uh, I, I, I can yeah, slice the issue and dice it in that way. Mielani, is there a genuine, a genuine commitment to carry out priorities as they are in the IDPs of municipalities? And do we find that budget prioritization fully aligns itself with what is in the IDPs of, of, of different municipalities? I, I would like to start by saying, are the IDPs put together in a way that is relevant <laughs> and answers you know, the problems of each one of those municipalities? I think that is a crucial point because IDPs have been around for a while now. Uh, we've seen them being tinkered, updated, changed, and so on and so forth. But are they addressing the core issues of you, an area or is it a compliance? I think that is what I wanted to get to. You know, part of why I was even avoiding that part of the conversation is that if IDPs were to exist in the truest sense of what was intended, you would have a lot more participation in the process than what we see currently. Not only is that not happening, in fact, in some municipalities, there is intentionality on the part of the officials there to make sure that there's as little public participation in that process as, as possible. And I'll continue to get your thoughts on that in a moment. Uh, we're in conversation with Mielani Holeni. We're talking about uh, the state of municipalities. He's an expert in the space and um, you, we're really getting his insights about just where the challenges in local government really lie um, currently. It's 11.30, it's time for the latest news headlines. Stations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. We're, we continue the conversation on the talking point. We're taking a closer look at uh, the state of local government, uh, lo- local governance rather, uh, with Mielani Holeni. He's the chief group advisor at Ndiso Consulting Group, and they deal mostly uh, with issue with local government. They publish research annually uh, that takes a look at the state of municipalities, etc. There's a lot of work that they do, which you will find available uh, on their website online. Mielani, I was saying about this issue of IDPs that that it actually in many ways becomes the elephant in the room because it is the one area where you great where you get greatest consensus. Um, this is from whichever the majority party in a municipality is, 
and opposition parties because even where the process of putting IDPs together are flawed, you, you, you will hardly hear protests from opposition parties. In fact, I think last year was the first time where I saw the DA being vocal about the IDP process. And that was after Mayor uh, Guamanda was voted in and they were raising it when it came to questions of whether the budget vote will go through and what that would mean for the city if it wasn't able to go through. But save for that, there's hardly never any conversation about it. And yet that really is what sets the tone in municipalities. So so then I think to continue from what I was at least uh, saying in terms of, you know, the relevance of the IDP, then does everyone believe that, you know, what's contained in the IDP are the crucial and key imperatives that should be followed? Then the question is, would everyone be committed then to implementing what sits in the IDP? Instead, what actually triggers the IDP discussion these days is the budget vote. Mm. Because ultimately what you and how you craft the budget should be aligned with the IDP and should be, if it's within the term of the administration, be a culmination of what you have achieved in the previous year vis-a-vis what you need to then be continuing to achieve in the new uh, year. So so I think that is where the issues are. The other, perhaps, you know, it sounds like, <clears throat> excuse me, a soundbite. South Africa is a country of many plans. Okay. If you just count the number of municipalities with an IDP, you count as well province with uh, their, their strategic plans and national and and then we're supposed to have a national development plan. So I think what I'm going down to is when you have an IDP, how much of that IDP speaks to the priorities which are broader than just looking at the immediate issues within the local area? How do you then tap into the alignment of how where government is moving because that is how an IDP should also be informed to the point where if there's commitment there should be commitment straight through uh, the, the the national the provincial to the local to say actually we now have what the DDM is trying to achieve of a one plan uh, and and that one plan perhaps you know is reduced to 44 plans instead you know of 270 odd, you know, plans, plus, 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 and so on. So so then you end up, you know, having a one consolidated plans because within the municipalities, the commitment to implement the IDP is annual. It's the ID, uh, SDBIP, the Service Delivery uh, Budget Implementation Plan. But then the other aspect of it is uh, five years to implement a strategy. Okay, it's great. But in the long term, or what is the long-run strategy for municipalities which goes beyond just the five is, years? Is, is there a, a, a long-term strategy beyond five years for municipalities? No. I, I think that, you know, we can answer in very simple terms, mm. no. We continuously look at, you know, how the five years looks like. It's, it's almost, uh, you know, driving, you know, uh, looking down. And when you get to the destination, you look up and you are not, sure where, how you were navigating. So I think the other part to it is the commitment should always be based on the long-term plan. Then you are solving the issue of how a strategy within a municipality comes in because a strategy should not necessarily be a, 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 a party dependent, but it should be what the wishes of the people mm. are, of development, of growth, 
of achieving milestones, of changing uh, the face of that particular municipality to create jobs, to create industry, uh, clean water, and all of those things that you know we so rhetorically see uh, within the various plans. So, Milani, you've described a lack of capability because we've got big questions on the part of leadership in municipalities. Clearly, lack of strategy for many municipalities and all of that is leading to poor service delivery outcomes. So we are dealing with a lot of municipalities that are not capable municipalities. Add to that a lowering of the um, of, of, of the entry to local politics and to local governance, rather. Mm. And I think perhaps the point there is also that there is this marriage between politics and local government that apparently um, cannot be separated where you have politics really influencing administrative decisions um, and therefore even as they exist, many municipalities um, are not operating independent of politics. Mm. What happens now in this situation? Because at the end of the day, all people want is that when they go home, mm. they must have a decent road mm. to do that. Mm. When they get home, mm. they must open their taps and find clean drinking water. Mm. If they take out their rubbish, they must know that it will be collected mm. and that things will run, that there's a basic standard mm. that they can expect to be upheld. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, the issue of uh, politics, obviously we can talk about politics uh, ad nauseum, but it also goes back to, you know, imagine if you did not have a political uh, uh, oversight in terms of you know municipalities you can postulate how the situation would be and so on and so forth and vis-a-vis -vis the fact that we have or supposed to have political oversight uh, within the space what is the core of having someone who is a political representative is it not to be the vanguard of the people okay is it not supposed to be what we've promised we are going to do for the people gets done by the officials who are employed within the municipality. So whichever way you look at it, you know, whether you carry a, I don't know, whether a strong, you know, a stick that you're going to beat up, you know, people with, you carry a small stick, whatever the case may be. I think the core of it, it doesn't change because local government, and I, I, I'm taking some of the words of people who have applied, you know, their trade within the local government, is a space which it's it's one place where you can touch government, you can feel government, you know, you, you know, and so on and so forth. So, so I think the issue of you know politics, of course, is one that we can observe now, uh, is also having quite an impact on uh, local governance, as you've correctly put it. Uh, and that is an area that, you know, I think calls, you know, for those who are then elected to be councillors to sit back and understand what the purpose of being a councillor uh, is. Yes, you have been put forward uh, coming from a 
political persuasion or party, mm -hmm. but what is that role of being a counselor in terms of you know being the vanguard of protecting the rights, the service delivery, uh, and so on of you know the people. So perhaps you know yes, you can come with whatever color of your shirt, but the ultimate thing is how do you then drive and make the uh, ward committee functional? How do you then drive, you know, the subcommittees that should be there? How do you involve as well the uh, royal leadership as well so that, you know, it becomes a multifaceted type of participation, even if it's a microcosm through a committee that, you know, drives those issues. By the time you get to council, with all of the items that are supposed to be debated upon or passed and so on, you should at least have had that uh, consultation with your stakeholders within the ward that can give a richer type of information. In fact, yes, there are a lot of documents that flow through council, but I'm putting a point which says if you have people that are equally uh, adept, qualified, uh, keen uh, to support, they can be a support structure that helps in terms of shaping mm. some of those things that happen within there. And I have not mentioned which political party you come from, but you're a ward councillor, mm. you know. So then call on the various people that uh, are required to drive uh, the imperatives of the ward contributing to council. All right. It also sounds to me that perhaps if, if we take the time to better understand uh, the structure of local government, then there might be a lot of different ways in which we are able to hold these officials accountable and perhaps more accountable than we do currently. I just want to take these WhatsApp voice notes before we get ready to conclude our conversation. Good morning, Kathy. Listen, Kathy, I hear the gentleman say uh, the standard of uh, electing or uh, acquiring uh, the councillors has lowered. No, Kesri, there is no standard at all. Imagine a councillor who can't even open a spreadsheet. You know, how, how, how are you going to read any report if you can't even open or, or, or manipulate a spreadsheet to can see all your numbers and stuff? No, Kathy, this is wrong. This is totally, totally wrong. I sat one day with another lady, the councillor. She couldn't even open a spreadsheet. And I asked myself, now, how does she read the reports? No, this is not fair, Kathy. Uh, good morning, Sis Kathy. Uh, your guest, uh, your production team, and uh, listeners. Well, uh, I think one of the, in fact, one of the major reasons why we are having uh, municipalities which are not functioning in the country is that uh, uh, the African National Congress government actually is not a government of the people, rather a conspiracy to seize power. Uh, because uh, even when they come with the, the, the IDPs and, and, and then the budget vote, they come fast, they fast, fast meeting, and then quick, quick communities must sign, and these documents tomorrow by 12 o'clock, they must be submitted, wara, 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 unless there won't be budget. Just rhetoric so that the documents can be signed and voted so it's a problem that we have in this country we have a conspiracy to seize power not a government of the people as such so yeah we're in trouble we're in trouble thank you very much it's the kind of state for just going 
All right. Uh, thanks for that. Melanie, your parting shot? I think there's always a question I get that says, is there hope? And I think it's one thing that uh, it's not fair to, uh, you know, debate a subject like this and say, okay, what are the solutions, you know, going forward with regards to, you know, to local government? Uh, We're going into elections now, which uh, are provincial and national. I think now the responsibility lies with the new cohort of leaders who are going to come in with regards to how they support local government, you know, better. And in fact, uh, the endeavor to make local government uh, the center of where things happen because we've articulated the fact that, you know, municipalities are the ones that make up a province, they make up a country ultimately. So, So I think the kind of leadership that comes through now is one that will be judged and must be judged uh, on how they support local government to pull it through the difficulties uh, that local government is currently facing. Uh, We can argue issues of uh, uh, coalitions in different ways, but if a city must be, uh, potholes must be gotten rid of within the city, it must be. Uh, if you know and so on and so forth uh, so so i think those are the issues that with this election service delivery must also be a problem of province as well as national it must not just be higher level issues and so on and so forth renewal of this renewal of that but it must be around how do we galvanize other stakeholders uh, beyond the pri- the public sector to support as well uh, the growth and the development of local government. So I think that is the main issue that we must judge uh, the new cohort of leaders who come through. Melani Holini, Chief Group Advisor at Ndiso Consulting Group. He's uh, a local government revenue and governance expert. That's where we leave it for today on The Talking Point. We'll be back with you again tomorrow from 9 o'clock. Coming up next is going to be the book reading. 